Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement. Because we are going down with these ships. Welcome back to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. I am Nathan. And I'm Fee. I'm filling in for Megs today. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. I'm so happy to have Fee back with us. Fee has done some of our best episodes. (laughs) I love Fee so much. And I especially love the subject that we're going to be covering today. I, listeners, have been waiting to do this. (laughs) For a very, very long time, you're not prepared for what your ears are about to be subjected to, let me tell you, because because we are going to be covering the weird and wonderful world of crack ships today, <laughs> and I, I, have some, I have some very select pairings that I want to talk about. I mean, the world of crack ships is incredible, and I'm going to hand over to Fee in a minute to talk to you a little bit about like the context and the history and the you know the founding of the world of crack. Um, but I am just very like I have some select pairings in mind, and I'm very much about that today. I'm excited. So, um, so illustrious co-host. Ah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, did you want to like chat for a little bit about like how like Crackfit came to be in your awareness? Yes. Like how you started to be involved with in it? In my awareness, at least. I I started fan fictioning, uh, quick math, 20 plus years ago. I haven't been in fandoms that entire time, but like when I first started back in fanfiction.net days, like the days of the very long author's notes of like, oh, we're going to toast our marshmallows with your flames kind of stuff. Um, (laughs) When you talked about crack, like it literally meant like, Mm -hmm. I must've been on crack to have written this. Like, where did this idea come from? I don't know. Crack. Like that, that was the only explanation you could offer for whatever unhinged concepts you or your brain threw out there. So, um, since then, as it has evolved, yeah. like beyond mm-hmm. just the silliness for the sake of silliness or like the bizarre because why not? We can play we can play in this space. We can make these characters do whatever we want because we can. Um, there is like a subgenre now, I would say, of crack treated seriously, um, which is just like, Ooh. yeah, where you you read this absolutely unhinged pairing like, where did they come up with that? But like. It's not played as a joke. It's played for serious, like a serious exploration of how this relationship could have come to be or whatever. But are they playing it like deadpan? Are they still being funny and playing it deadpan or are they actually being serious with the, the pattern? A little bit of both. Or is it a mixture of It both? definitely depends on the yeah. author. Um, I think the crack treated seriously tag is like 
to, to let the reader know, like, this isn't a joke necessarily. It can be silly. It can be comedic. It can be funny. But like, uh-huh. you're not supposed to read this as a <laughs> look what I did, guys. <laughs> it's supposed to be like, no, no, no. Give it a second chance. I know this looks ridiculous, but like, trust me on this. Let me let me take you on this journey <laughs> of this whatever crack concept we have come up with and uh, explore that a little. I I love that, but I also think that the same principle is sort of true of any crack ship, right? Mm-hmm. You sort of have to trust that the author is going to do something great yes. with the pairing, regardless of whether or not you actually ship it or you take it seriously. You're you're handing your trust over to the stewardship of the author mm-hmm. for however long the fic happens to be. And then it's because it's happened to me many, many times in this podcast mm-hmm. where it might not even be a crack ship that we're talking about. It might be something that's very well established in the fandom. And I still think, how would that ever work? And then by the end of the episode, mm-hmm. the the level of detail or the level of emotional investment in the characters has done its thing. And so by the end of the course of an hour or an hour and a half, whatever it happens to be, suddenly I find myself invested. Now, it's a, a little bit of a different ball game, I suppose, when you're talking about characters that are... I suppose, put together for the sake of fun or just put together because we want to see what weird wickety-wackety things we can do with these characters, you know, as they are smushed together (laughs) in whatever strange ways you want to do that. Um, But, I mean, I still... Part of the reason I love this genre of of fanfiction is it is what made fanfiction accessible for me. I've talked before on the pod about how I was a text-only purist for ages mm-hmm. and I wouldn't, you know, touch fan fiction with a barge pole. And then I discovered Crackfic and it was a way in for me to be like, actually, no, a lot of this is written incredibly and people do things with the characters that I would never have thought and it is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, because a big part of my personality is enjoying the silliness of life because the world takes itself so seriously that sometimes I really want crack fic because because the world (laughs) is a scary, dangerous, serious place and crack fic takes me away from all that. It like lets me lean into the silly for a while and I am I'm all about that. I mean you know I'm about that. Yeah, we are absolutely (laughs) on the same page about this. That's like the You know, like I've shared crack fic with you where it's like, oh, really, Fee, how did you come across this fic of like Anakin Skywalker banging Jar Jar Binks? I don't know, but it sounded like a good time. So we went there. <laughs> and you know what, it, listeners? It was a good time. If <laughs> I don't know if you want to link this oh, for the description or anything, but, but I mean, it's there somewhere. If he can find it, we'll link it in the description and you can go and read that at your leisure if you if that's something that you want to do. Again, not strictly Harry Potter related, but it is crack fig related, so I still maintain yes. that we are being on brand for this episode. <laughs> but like you said, it's just a good time. Like, you don't have to yeah. take everything so seriously. Yes, a lot of there's there's a great sep- sector of fan fiction where it's like really honest to God, good writing and good stories and good characters that, you know, people become real authors, real authors. People get published for this kind of stuff. But there's also a subset of fan fiction where it's like, hey, you know, it would be funny. 
<laughs> I would really love to see, um, you know, Dumbledore get seduced by Vernon Dursley. Like, yeah, I think that would be a good time. Let's let's see how that works out, you know? And I mean, I have to believe that that's possible as well. It's within the realm of plausibility because they both treat Harry awfully. <laughs> and, and I imagine that they bond over that. They're like, yeah, this child is horrible. Um, and uh, they're like secretly. Yeah. Like, and, and so, you know, outwardly Vernon is all like, magic is preposterous. Don't utter that word in front of me. And really it's because it's like, it must only be reserved for Dumbledore. <laughs> it reminds me too much of those memories. <laughs> those passionate nights together. <laughs> With our beards wafting together. Jeez. <laughs> yes, I just, I really think you have to get to a sort of a special place with your creativity to do, to get invested in crack yeah. Because... Okay, so I suppose the argument against it is, and why some people might not enjoy crackfic as much, is that some people like fanfic as a way to plausibly, um, not necessarily vent, but explore emotions or plausibly explore like life scenarios. And that, that for those kinds of readers and writers, it can be really uh, serious. It can be really, uh, there's a degree of, you know, I suppose the self and their own psychology going into this as well. And so for those people, you know, it might just seem like too off the wall or too crazy or too out there. But, you know, I'm one of those people that that there's no such thing as too out there. Like I, I, I will, if you can think of a creative way to put two characters together, if you can get me invested in a way that's going to make me either really appreciate their characters in a new way or make me laugh chances are i'll be down for it um i i mean i know that we've explored some very interesting forensic themes on our nahems and (laughs) i was all about that um there are things that we talked about before doing this episode and we we classed them as too spicy so um we we will potentially possibly be doing a bonus episode with those (laughs) themes if that's something dear listener that you are interested in because it's something i was very excited about but you know what <laughs> Do you know what? We we have to we have to slightly restrain ourselves mm-hmm. today because this is the this is the public episode yeah. going out for public yeah. consumption. And so we have to keep ourselves arrayed to a wide audience yes. and, and a variety of yeah. people. <laughs> well, you know you said like um some people just don't don't enjoy crack, and that's fine. That's that's totally fine. Yeah. But I don't think it has to be an either or, you know. There you can enjoy well-written emotional gut punches of fix and also be like <laughs> I just <laughs> I read a fic <laughs> where it was a crack scenario where it was just like, oh, it's it's a soulmate fic where when you when you first meet your soulmate, all of your clothes vanish like <laughs> Oh my it's, god! That's it's perfect. just silly. It's just whatever. It's a fun time. And why not? <laughs> you know, it does make me wonder why we they live in a magical world. Why don't you, all your clothes vanish when you're in the company of someone you find mutually attractive? <laughs> it's just handier that way. It's easy. It's it's like yeah. Let's um... <laughs> too many consent I mean, issues, get... Nathaniel. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay, I suppose. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, um, no, let's let's not go down that road because I'm going to. No, moving no, moving on. It's a different cul-de-sac. <laughs> let's 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 move on. Okay. Um, let me think. We were discussing before we hit record <laughs> some of the possible uh, ships that we wanted to cover today, and I know that one of them had a distinctly um, peevesy, filchy feel to it. <laughs> As in being <laughs> peeves slash filch. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed, that that is to what I am referring. Um, <laughs> um I am... Um, when Megs suggested this to me, because I, I was talking to Megs uh, earlier in the week and we were talking about like, oh, you know, if you have any ideas for crack ships that you want to hear about, you know, let us know. And um, and so this was one of uh, one of the ships in Megs's list. And when I first saw this, I was like, why have I not thought of this before? Because it does say canonically that Peeves the Poltergeist was there when the castle was built. It does say canonically that he uh, has tormented every caretaker um, since, you know, he's been around. Um, and, you know, maybe they take the torment to a, uh, the next level together. <laughs> yes. I'm just watching your face, like, steadily get happier and happier. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Yes, uh, we there's... need to apologize for having fun on this podcast. <laughs> That's my way. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, like we know, we know, Mr. Filch has like a vast collection of uh, dungeon apparatus, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I know yes. he's pretty sad about it being put aside for the sake of you know politically correct punishments for children. <laughs> but if he still enjoys the occasional, you know. String him up by the handcuffs scenario. <laughs> you can definitely explore that with his friend Peeps. <laughs> and, the, and the and the thing is, there'd have to be a degree of consent there as well, because Peeves can like fly through walls. Like mm-hmm. if Peeves wanted to escape, he could yeah. easily. So I have to think that if they're doing this, it's both the you know they're both willing and able, and it's better. It's much much better that Filch takes his frustrations out on on you know mm. somebody that is clearly old enough and willing and guys. able. <laughs> yes, this has me and, like um, I have a vision, Nathan. <laughs> okay, okay, clue me in to what's going through your your mind brain right now. <laughs> so like. You know, Filch. <laughs> I, ju- I just imagine Peeves getting into this like cat and mouse game with Filch where he like, sure, he cheeses him because that's his job is to tease the caretaker and yeah. do whatever. But then like, he's like, you know what? He's not such a bad looking guy. He needs... <laughs> For whatever reason, Peeves is into it. Okay. He's however okay. many years old. Maybe he just. Whatever. Whatever. We don't need to rationalize why people are attracted to people. Anyway. But then, like, <laughs> when the, like, cat and mouse of, like, oh, I'm uh, I'm running away from you, but I really want you to catch me kind of thing. And, like, <laughs> oh, no, you found me. What are you going to do to me? <laughs> I just, this whole scenario that I'm building in my head of, like, they're, they're role playing slash real life slash uh, 
taking out our frustrations on each other's bodies kind of thing. <laughs> Just, yeah, I, I would read 100k of that. Yeah, let's do it. So... <laughs> A hundred k. Wow, you went from you went from I have a picture and I want to clue you in to suddenly I this is an epic romance and I need to know like okay. beginning, middle, yeah, and end. Yeah, maybe a hundred k was um, a little uh, um, ambitious. I barely read ten k in a week. So no, well, well, I have to think that Filch has more of a backstory. You know, we know he's a squib. We know he's mm-hmm. frustrated about the fact that he is a part of this magical world that he's not really as involved in as he would like to be. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence of that, his frustrations turn um, nasty. Mm. But I have to think that there's something in his life that takes the edge off that. And it's, to be honest, it's more pleasant to me talking about this than it would be a Filch slash Umbridge pairing, which is also possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Anything is possible. Yeah. I I mean, um, you know, we can maybe talk about the, you know, the differences between um, what it would be like to be with a ghost that's there, but not really there. But then also to what it would be like to um, get with a sort of a self-involved sociopath who really just maybe... I, I'm not convinced that Filch and Umbridge would love each other so much as they connect over their mutual hatred of children. Yeah. I think that's just... But then, you know, do you know what I never understood about Filch is, do you know if you hate kids that much, why are you staying in that job? So then what I thought was, okay, something else is keeping him in the castle. And then if we say that he's involved with Peeves, he's like, okay, I hate the job and I hate my my nine to five or however long he works it. But my fuck buddy lives here, so I guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, but in your head though, with your in your head canon with this, how corporeal is Peeves? Can he like choose to be in his wispy ghost form and then choose to like manifest body parts? Mm, or so many or choices. How do- I I would read any and all. I do not discriminate, and I'm not the kind of person that's like, no, this is the only way that it could possibly work. But like. Definitely, I imagine he can he can choose when he wants to or when he doesn't. It is also very sexy to imagine like some kind of potion or something that Peeves can like uh, take to be you know oh hey here we got an hour together with my more corporeal form or whatever so uh, let's let's <laughs> do that. I think that would be fun if there was like a way to switch it on and off via a potion or what have you. Yeah, and speaking of potions, by the way, just because Filch isn't magical doesn't mean he can't take potions. So I have to I have to believe that like the effects of Polyjuice potion would work on him or a love potion would work on him. Like, just because he is he can't mm-hmm. use magic doesn't mean that he's not going to also not be affected by these. So it's possible that like is there a potion to turn one into a ghost so like so they can be like ghosts together like there better be (laughs) sorry (laughs) yes yes i really 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 want this where like they both turn into ghosts and they explore all the nooks and crannies and crevices of Hogwarts <laughs> together. Find the secret And of Hogwarts. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Find the sneakiest little place they can shack up together. <laughs> Don't make a sound, my love. They'll hear us. <laughs> oh my God, at the top of the owlery. Like, shh, 
we mustn't disturb the birds. <laughs> yes. Yes, I love this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of um, uh, Filch and like why he's there and why he's such a mean old man working at Hogwarts or whatever, I've heard or read some kind of meta, maybe on Tumblr, probably everything's on Tumblr, about how Filch is like, he's got to be a very talented person at like restoration if he's caring for a however many year old building, like, and making sure that it's all in working order and that when stupid Weasley twins destroy paintings. He's there to fix them or like the artistry of Hogwarts itself. Like that's, that takes a lot of skill to like care for it, especially without magic. Like if you can't just spell a nose back onto a statue and you have to like, uh, do it the muggle way for whatever reason, like that takes a lot of, that's like, he's a smart guy. He's gotta be. He's just also a little, (laughs) <laughs> do we do we th- yeah, a little creepy uh yeah okay um i see i i want to circle back to something mm. that you said about peeves finding filter attractive sure and I, i'm not i'm not saying that you know people some people aren't attractive to other people like that like someone's got to be attracted to like everybody's got to be attractive to somebody is the sentence that sure. i meant to say yes right Valid. yes so, so it's not out of the realm of the possibility that Filch could be considered sexy by somebody. Oh, yeah. But, but I just, I have to think it's more of a, an energy with Filch. Like someone's attracted to that very, very frustrated, very angry, very, I don't know what they're going to do with me kind of well, energy. Well, yeah, if that's what gets Peeves off, like his whole existence <laughs> is about irritating people, right? So if he can push yes. all of those buttons, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rage is a good color on you today. <laughs> yeah, it's just a good time. Also, I don't know why Peeves sounded like Snape to me in that moment. <laughs> Could we do a Snape slash Filch? Or Snape walks in on them and then he's like weirdly turned on. Ah. By them. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine like a young Snape when he first starts at Hogwarts teaching and he. <laughs> Oh my, <laughs> like he didn't have any idea what he was getting into. And he's like, well, this is my life now. Great. <laughs> he's just, he's in the owlery after dark and he looks up and he's like, oh. <laughs> what <laughs> was that dripping on me? <laughs> this, this doesn't feel like the consistency and texture of owl. Oh, dropping. Jesus. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> yes, the shocked gasp and the cape twirl would yeah. be everything in that moment. Yeah. Um, yes, I do think. Could, like, could you see it being a long-term thing? Could you see them, like, uh, Peeves and Filch, being in it for the long haul with each other? Um, I feel like physically, hell yes. Like they would, they could definitely continue to do that. I don't know if it would ever evolve into like a meaningful romantic connection. But definitely some level of intimacy when you interact with someone over the course of 50 years of working at this place or whatever. Like, yeah, it's there's got to be something, some baseline of like connection there. I just don't know if it would be like what we would consider or what, you know, society would consider like, oh, yeah, this is a romantic relationship versus like they just, you know, yin and yang, peeves and filch. Yeah. (laughs) 
See, I can hear Meg screaming at me, Uh-oh. and I feel it would be remiss. It would be remiss of me not to say this at this point. But I feel like if Megs were here talking to us right mm-hmm. now, this would be where she'd say about uh, Filch needs a redemption arc, uh-huh. and she'd be the one to write it. Like that, that it would. She'd take a cracky situation mm-hmm. and turn it into their like love story for the ages. <laughs> and I'm also about that because Megs can see romance and the potential for emotional development where I can only Mm. see ridiculousness. Mm. So, Megs, if you're listening (laughs) and that's something that you want to do, I don't know if you know, but you can get in touch at (laughs) careofmagicalshippers at (laughs) Um, Question. Yes? Can we discuss Filch and crack ships in the same episode and not mention Filch slash Mrs. Norris? Oh, I... Mm, if you want to pass, mm, we can pass. That's fine. I feel like, like this might be bonus episode content. Okay. I feel like we can maybe slide past this one for now. Let's move um, right along. It's it's not that I don't want to talk about it, but I just don't know if the publicly aired <laughs> version of this episode is the forum for this discussion. So let's just Understood. shimmy past it. Okay. <laughs> okay (laughs) but i tell you what we can talk about we could talk about another crack ship that i really really want to discuss and that i was excited by Mm. it's another invention of meg's but well i say invention of meg's i'm sure it's been around for a while but meg's you know reached out into the ether and picked up on this and i Really love this one. It's kind of in your Dumbledore Vernon Mm -hmm. territory. Um, Except that it's Petunia and McGonagall. (laughs) And I love this so much. I just... Okay, I I need you to explain this to me because I I can't see it at first glance. So take me through this, Nathan. Take take me there. What do we got? So, so... Wait, let me open up my phone because I saved the screenshot of Megs' idea for this. And Mm. when she shared this with me, I was so on board. (laughs) So Megs said, amazing. Okay. So she said, Petunia sees the stray cat and feeds it and it keeps coming back. So because Minnie wants to keep an eye on Harry. But of course... She slowly falls for the woman. And now I love this idea. I love the fact that McGonagall is sort of lusting after her from afar, at least initially, you know, because she's like, we have this idea of, you know, we know that McGonagall is like, the worst sort of muggles imaginable is a very thin veneer for a more complex emotional storied involvement happening behind the scenes. <laughs> because I just, so now obviously, she like petunia has a habit of being nosy we know this i think she's referred to in the books as being long-necked because she's you know forever craning her head to look at the neighbors and she's always going to want to know what's happening on her patch especially because we know that she gets like howlers from dumbledore so she's in touch with the magical world however much she might want petunia gets howlers from dumbledore yeah so, so in the fifth book, um, like Vernon is going to throw Harry out, and then uh, the, this howler arrives for Petunia, and it just like it's really eerie and creepy, and it just says like "Remember my last Petunia," but that's from Dumbledore being like, "I wrote to you uh, when I left Harry on your doorstep to be like, 
take care of Harry or else, essentially, because you're his only, like, blood relative, and that's all that's going to keep Harry safe from Voldemort. So, she's still in active correspondence with the, the magical world, as much as she might want to tune it out. And she's still aware of everything that happened with her sister. Mm-hmm. And we know that really the reason that she had all of this rage for Lily was because she wanted to go to Hogwarts as well. But because she didn't have any innate magical power, she couldn't go. And that grew into jealousy. And because of that, then she sort of resents the world and pushes it away. But then imagine this scenario so mcgonagall's sort of been you know keeping an eye on things Mm -hmm. for a while you know watching harry grow up for x amount of years potentially she just keeps coming back every now and again just to make sure he's okay Mm -hmm. but then one day one day she's sort of like looking around at night as the cat and petunia keeps seeing this cat so she leaves like a little saucer of milk out for it and, you know, doesn't know that it anything to do with McGonagall whatsoever. But, you know, so McGonagall thinks, actually, you know, while I'm in cat form, I'd quite like a saucer of milk. This is something that I, I can appreciate. So then she starts getting, like, closer to the house and closer to Petunia. And then, and then one day, okay, I have to, <laughs> I have to, Im- I have to imagine that, like, one day McGonagall's just, popped back after like a massively busy day of teaching and she like she's in cat form but she says something in a human voice like she'll be watching something and she'll be like uh you know she'll she'll cast a a remark about something that's going on about harry or and then petunia hears it and she's like oh oh this this cat is not everything that i thought it was and so then mcgonagall feels compelled to reveal herself and of course there's the initial shock there Mm. there's the sort of there's the moment of you know two worlds colliding again (laughs) yes and you know maybe petunia has that sort of ptsd moment of like (laughs) i thought i was done with this i married my muggle man you know Uh i'm in my my semi-detached house with my picket fence and my perfectly manicured lawn Mm -hmm. but but then she realizes that underneath all of the like stressy repressy stuff that's going on there's also an instant attraction and so of course she wants to explore that Mm -hmm. and and like but because but i feel like megs would particularly love this one because there's so much potential for like conflict and drama in and among the crackiness of it yes the angst yes yes And so I don't imagine that it would be frictionless. I don't imagine that it wouldn't be bumpy. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely imagine the two of them embarking on some sort of close relationship together. Mm -hmm. And I think because I, well, not that I find it difficult to imagine her being intimate with anybody else. But just the way they are in the books Vernon and Petunia just seem to be galvanized around the fact that they hate Harry. Yeah. And and that that's what seems to unify them as well as their, you know, quote unquote love for Dudley, but mm-hmm. that, you know, manifests itself in weird ways and <laughs> yeah, blah blah blah. Valid. Um so as it stands, Vernon and Petunia don't have a particularly close relationship as far as I can tell. Yeah. You know, they've they've sort of it, you know, it could have been a lot closer at one point, but it sort of cooled. And so I, I, you know, P- 
Petunia is a woman. She has needs. She mm. is maybe feeling, you know, a little bit like she wants to explore something different. And then all of a sudden this witch materializes and it's sort of dark and a little bit taboo for her because it's a world that she's shunned and pushed away. But she's really attracted by this yeah. woman. And so it's really intense and driven by heat. And it's uh, I love that that dynamic. Mm -hmm. And for McGonagall, it's equally weird and, and taboo because, you know, this woman is a, a admittedly terrible guardian for Harry. Mm -hmm. And so she has to sort of like compartmentalize yeah. that away because she's also attracted to Petunia. Mm -hmm. So it, it's this thing that happens where it's like, okay, yes, I can acknowledge that what's happening is something that I don't like. But if I just ignore that yeah. and focus on the person in front of me yeah. I can enjoy myself and I feel like this is the sort of situation that would need to be happening for this to work but I for some reason I am really <laughs> really really excited yeah. about this I just I like I suppose the the explorationist in me sure. likes reading about about people who get bored of just doing the same thing or they get bored of, uh, you know, like having the same routine. Yeah. And so they they go out and find something new. And of course, you know, when you bring the Harry Potter world into it and, and bring mm -hmm. like magic into this, it just adds an extra dimension of interest for me. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just, I mean, I... I love McGonagall as a character. I'm not as wild about Petunia as a character. I don't think a lot of people are. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, but when I think about it, like, I'm not yeah. wild about Draco as a character, but I love fanfic Draco. Yeah. And so, and so, like, in much the same way as we can have ordinary book Draco and then fanfic Draco, mm -hmm. maybe we can have fanfic Petunia, mm -hmm. who then, once she acknowledges her love for McGonagall, maybe she leaves Vernon. Maybe she starts mm. re-embracing the magical world. Maybe she even, like, apologises to Harry for all the crap she put him through over the years, and they start to get closer together, because now she's stopped repressing all of these feelings and urges yeah. from inside her, and she feels more capable of it self-expression she doesn't quite feel the need to hate around her so much <laughs> sure you know i have a scenario okay um for, <laughs> for petunia and mcgonagall i because you know you laid it out there and that could work yeah i don't know if i would if i were mcgonagall i wouldn't be able to let it go her years of abuse of harry but if mcgonagall got into petunia's life before all of that like, for instance, here's the AU. The, the AU is they drop off Harry at the door um, and McGonagall sticks around for a little while. Petunia is younger, like she's just had Dudley and she's like an exhausted mom or whatever because she already has one infant to deal with and you're just going to drop off another one? Rude. Rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so if McGonagall sticks around for a while and helps temper some of that like vitriol that that builds up over the course Ooh. of several years that results in her like yes. hating Harry so much. If instead she is an alternate outlet for like getting out some Ooh. of those frustrations. <laughs> I can just imagine, like, if McGonagall was a support person for Petunia over the years, instead of just, like, disappearing into nothingness and, like, 
Well, thanks, guys. I love having an extra child. Like, anyway, it's there. There is something to be said for their perspective of being uh, miffed beyond measure that they have a child dropped into their laps. But like, you know, just just if if it was different, if it was an AU where she had the support of McGonagall that then grew into another yeah. kind of support, then I would definitely be able to get behind that. Yes, yes. And and things could get very radio voice oh gosh i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) no why are you apologizing it was fantastic (laughs) my petal petunia dear (laughs) have have a ginger newt oh jeez you're getting angry again (laughs) go take a walk and come back to me Why is this so perfect? Okay, yes, but I have more to build on this. Oh, let's hear so you it. You were saying, uh, so you were saying that McGonagall was, is a sort of emotional support person for Petunia, mm-hmm. but on Pottermore, uh, in her backstory, it's revealed that McGonagall fell in love with a Muggle man, and then you know things went south, and that wasn't sustainable, and so she was sort of forever distraught after that, mm. and so I think. It's also possible that Petunia could be McGonagall's emotional yeah. support plushie in this situation because she is a muggle. Yes. You know, so so she is her way into this, back into this world that she feels has left her behind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, and she starts to um, embrace some of the things that Petunia likes, like keeping a really cleanly home, mm. like... And so she'll do things for Petunia like um, tidy the house. Like maybe they get maybe they get like a little cottage together, and McGonagall's a little bit like spacey, and so she's you know throwing her things all about the place, and it sort of drives Petunia up a tree, but in an in an affectionate way. Um, <laughs> but then she'll, uh, but but then like part of their love language together is that. Um, and, and she's like, oh, Petunia, dear, thank you so much for putting up with me. And I don't know why I'm doing the Robin Williams voice. Let's just, <laughs> let's just sort of set Jason, that down. Jason, we're good. Keep oh, going. Oh, <laughs> but like, but so, so she'll, you know, Petunia is out doing her muggle job. I imagine that she, uh, like, once, because once she gets free of Vernon, she's like free to explore more of the person that she wants to be, as opposed to just... Uh, random housewife. I'm not saying that, you know, staying at home and being a housewife isn't valid. I'm just saying that for her, it's a, you know, it's been a product of a kind of voluntary oppression. And so, you know, whenever she's free of those constraints, maybe she explores other vocations. Mm -hmm. So let's say she's had a hard day at her vocation and she comes back and McGonagall's all been like cleaning the house. And in my head, I'm picturing... The scene in um, Sleeping Beauty, you know, where the three good fairies are, like, in the cottage and they're using all of the magic to, like, sweep up after themselves and bake the cake. Mm. And and I just, I, see, this is what Crack Ship does. (laughs) It takes, it takes preposterous elements and preposterous pairings and makes you want them Mm -hmm. and makes you crave them and this dear listener is why i love it so much (laughs) for me crack ship is a natural extension of everything that the fanfic does already Mm. because it's just pushing those principles to the extreme and maybe you know a muggle and a witch can bond over a well-made cake (laughs) yes very well said (laughs) (laughs) 
So we did have another pairing that we potentially wanted to discuss. I don't know very much about this, mm. but you you raised it to me. And I don't know, maybe do you want to introduce sure. it? Because I feel like I will do it a mischief. Uh, I'm not sure I can do it justice either. It's it's a unique one. Um, so we were in one of, in one of the Discord servers that I'm in, we were writing um, Mayhem. Um, and let's see, how do I introduce this? Uh, we just, it, there's no rhyme or reason to Mayhem. It just is. It just comes into existence. And sometimes it's absolute nonsense. Most of the time it's crack. Yeah. So I should, I should just, for our listeners that don't know, because it's possible that you're, you know, you just enjoy our podcast, but you're not on the Discord. And if so... I understand that that's not the space for everybody, but also you'd be most welcome to join our Discord and come and join the fun as well. We do this thing sometimes called Ministry Mayhem, where we write a story um, in sentences, which is to say that, you know, all stories are written in sentences. But, but well done, Nathan. So eloquent. We do this thing where we write a story a sentence at a time among different people. So you'll get like a premise... And then you'll have, say, 90 seconds to write based on um, what the previous person has written as a prompt. So you only see the previous sentence and then you build a story by, you know, sort of sandwiching all of the sentences together. And the premises are pretty wild and usually very cracky Mm -hmm. and there's no rhyme or reason to them. And they're usually exceptionally filthy, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, is why our mayhem episode is going to have to be a bonus Mm -hmm. one because we cannot in all good conscience, share those reminiscences with you. Mm. However, however, some of the wonderful ideas that come from Mayhem, yes. we can definitely do that. So anyway, so you were in a different server. Yes. And you, were, you were playing Mayhem. And this and this is exactly what happened. We decided we needed to do Hogwarts Does Pride. Um, so all of, Hog- of course. Hogwarts went to a Pride parade. Yeah, it was wonderful. And included in that was the Fat Friar. And we decided the Fat Friar was non-binary, um, mostly because uh, the method of mayhem, there there is not a lot of continuity <laughs> from person to person to person. <laughs> so pronouns and, you know, whatever genitalia is very loosey-goosey. Everybody has everything. It's all fine. Um, yeah. But we we talked about the Fat Friar and how he doesn't even have a name. You're just going to call him the Fat Friar? Really? No, no, no. Yeah. This is Alphonse now. So Alphonse is a non-binary f- ghost friar. And he they strike up a friendship with trans femme Hagrid, Hagrietta. <laughs> oh, yes. I love this. And, Continue. you know, for no other reason besides we need more trans representation in Harry Potter. Like, I got a lot of yeah. trans friends in, in the Harry Potter community and... One of the biggest ways we can uh, send an FU to the creator we don't speak of is, is you know, to put more trans characters into our stories. So that's kind of what it was all about, was just living in that space and having it be a happy, positive place for trans characters in Harry Potter. So it, yeah. it yeah. but it, it grew and we've reinserted Alphonse and Hagrietta and several Mayhems hence. And it just lives in a happy place in my heart because why, 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 Fee? Why does it live in a happy place in your heart? I don't know. It's just wholesome. It's just happy and wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is a big part of Crack Ships that I'm so glad you brought it up because it really, it does touch that 
place in your soul that because it's so ridiculous, you think, oh, you know, it, yeah, but it, it won't have that sort of deep emotional impact. Mm-hmm. But it does. You know, it, we talk about it as though it's a flippant thing, but representation is so important. Yeah. And all of these voices are so crucial to our diverse, rich human tapestry of mm-hmm. people that why wouldn't you have as many different kinds of voices in fiction as you could? Yeah. And yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that people do this. Because it isn't done for the sake of being subversive. And it isn't done for the sake of putting those yeah. those voices out there. It's done, as you say, with the community in mind. Yeah. With knowing that these people exist. You know, trans people are valid. Trans people are real. Trans rights are human rights. I'm going to get political for a, a, <laughs> you know, a teensy, teensy moment. But, uh, but just to say, you know, I, it, the fact that these people... Um, that that people of all genders, ethnicities, colours, you know, whatever, are continue to be underrepresented across mm-hmm. fiction is a thing that fan fiction is constantly redressing the yes. balance on. And so seeing yes. it happen within the community and seeing, you know, through character, we can mm-hmm. give the people that we know and love a chance to also be part of what we love to do and tell that story together. That That's magical to me. Like, I'm so happy that happens. Yes. And so when you told me, when you told me about trans femme Hagrietta, yeah. and, <laughs> and, you know, and and also Alphonse, I'd love to know where that name came from. Like, remember. it's just so perfect. I've got to, that's going to be my headcanon from now until yeah. the day I shuffle off the mortal coil. <laughs> it's incredible incredible and like we so so we have to like they're both very voluptuous characters they're both very big and bouncy Mm -hmm. they're both clearly full of the love of life or afterlife as the case may be yes (laughs) you know they both occupy a sort of a space of um embracing who you are Mm -hmm. and embracing what it is to be um alive and convivial and full of the the sort of spontaneous vivacity <laughs> of you know being together so i appreciate it i appreciate yeah. it um well i was just going to say that i really you know the fact that this happens at a like wait do they meet at pride parade um i think they they meet each other and like reintroduce themselves to each other in their in their new identities kind of thing at the pride parade nice Nice. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This is great. So if you if you've never been to a pride parade, I should say that this is like, in my opinion, this is a fantastic setting for this to happen <laughs> in. Because if there is going to be any environment that that lets you be fully embraced and accepted for who you are, yeah. it is a pride parade. Yeah. I I love the atmosphere at Pride. Um, and just just this is me, Nathan, speaking on a personal note. Now, I. I'm slightly, I get slightly annoyed whenever I have to, whenever Pride is over and then I have to go, you know, back into the ordinary world Mm. at the end of that time because Pride is such a, it's just such a wholesome, um, uninhibited kind of friendly, everyone being themselves because they want to be kind of energy. And so the fact that these characters meet at Pride Parade feels right to me (laughs) because because it's like it's the the it's the space for opening up and being, you know, um 
bestowed with the energies of the new, you know, you know, casting off the shackles of the old yes. world that you thought you belonged to and starting to love yourself for who you are. Um, just, was there anything specific about, like, the character of... Because we don't know very much about the Fat Friar, do we? Yeah. And I, I think I, that was just the reason why we decided to do what we did with them. Because, you know, if there's not... Even if there is fast and hard canon, like we get to do what we want with characters when we write fan fiction. So yeah, um, that was it. We just wanted to embrace that. I know a lot of uh, sometimes there's pressure from people who are who are um, post Harry Potter to be like, oh, we cannot support any Harry Potter anymore because of the creator's stances or whatever. Like so be gone we're done with that we've moved on but like we don't have to we don't we don't have to leave that no. behind so instead like infusing it with just more transy goodness is just what what we wanted to do um yeah exactly mm-hmm. there's a i like i don't know if you have the saying over there but we have a saying here you know you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. you know why like why would you jettison all of these characters that you've grown to know and love yeah. Whenever you can do what you want with them, you know, fan fiction is is a way of sort of reclaiming the space and doing what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And like, why would you? Look, I understand that maybe the people have had very strong emotional reactions to what's happened, and I understand why they, in particular, would want to distance themselves from an environment that they don't see as particularly positive anymore because of that. Mm-hmm. But I don't then understand the leap that some people make. That, that say, well, because I've decided to do this, yeah. I also think nobody else should. That's the that's the point where I disagree. Um, because the space is for everybody that wants it. Yeah. And I think fan fiction and the community has proven time and time again that no matter what, you know, transphobic things happen in the big, bad outside world, our community by and large remains a really wholesome space where that is a part of what we do, frankly, because it's a part of what we do as being human. Like, it, 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 in my view, it would be ridiculous not to support trans people because trans people are a part of what it is to be human. And, I'm quite, and I think that the community reflects that. Like, the fact that we want to make so many voices non-binary, the fact that we want to you know, play around with what it is yeah. to be these characters. Like, with fanfic Draco, for example. Like, fanfic Draco wears platform heels, has a cape, massive eyeliner, <laughs> is, like, all about his entrances and exits. And it's so dramatic, but I love that about them. Like, I like I imagine that fanfic Draco is, is pansexual. Um, they are, you know, gender fluid and and it works for them. You know, this is like all about finding what works for you. Yeah. Some ships, as as we know, like some ships won't work for you mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know, you 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 dust yourself off, you pick yourself up and you 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 move on. Yeah. But uh but like the the point is that they're there for people to enjoy. And I think you were the, the other day you randomly messaged me and you said there's no fan fiction on AO3 about a particular... Oh, my gosh. Oh, wait. I, I have to correct myself. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. okay. So I searched for fan fiction for Han Solo and Chewbacca, and I did not find any in the tags. So there was no tag for Han Solo and Chewbacca. 
But then when I went to search for works, um, instead of searching for a tag, when I searched for works, for whatever reason in AO3, there were some Han Solo Chewbacca fan fiction. So my apologies for my misinformation, Nathan. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm. I am glad that that exists. Right. Um, <laughs> it's al- necessary. Also, uh, yeah, it is necessary. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, they just spent too much time together yeah. in that cockpit for there not to be exactly. any. You know. E- exactly. You know the. <laughs> Again, this is uh, like prime content for a bonus episode. <laughs> like, I am ready. I am ready and willing to talk about this. You know, sometimes I like I love Harry Potter and I love the universe, but sometimes you run out of characters, and there's so many characters that I I love across all different kinds of fandom. Oh, yeah. So, w- so what I'm going to propose to you, listener, is this: if there's a particular fandom that you love that maybe isn't to do with Harry Potter, but you still want to hear me talk <laughs> about it, come to me with those suggestions. You know, I'm not saying that Megs is necessarily going to be down for all that, but like we can potentially do bonus episodes or... Depends yeah. on the fandom. Yeah. Depends on mm-hmm. the fandom. But, you know, we've already established that uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca is... Well, like, you know, that's just... First of all, it's just canon anyway. But second of all, <laughs> I want to talk about it. So, yeah. you know, let's let's do that thing i mean obviously today's episode is you know i decided that i wanted to keep a little bit shorter purposefully because i had so many ideas for different ships and you know crap thick pairings because you can literally go in any direction i was like no we need to pick three and we need to talk about those because otherwise i'm just going to go off on a million and one different tangents Mm -hmm. and i almost did with star wars there (laughs) but you see see how i'm practicing self-restraint and growing as well done (laughs) yay i'm so happy with myself and i you know i'm i feel like the episode that we we have done together today is tremendous but it's also been the product of a lot of sort of pent up wanting to talk about crack fiction for a while that i've now been able to you know to air those strong feelings with you my very good friend from across the sea <laughs> i am but no i'm i'm just very happy that uh, that we got to do this today it was a lot of fun and um listeners if you would like a sequel to this <laughs> crack ships episode and you have particular crack ships that you're like yes. do you know what i i love crack ships but they didn't talk about the giant squid if you want us to come back and talk giant squid we could do that <laughs> if you want us to come back and, and talk about anything i mean i think today has proven that that we can do that um so if you have suggestions for future episodes whatever they might be please do reach out to me at careofmagicalshippers at gmail.com. Fee, do you have any, like, closing thoughts or any, anything that you want our listeners to take away? Oh, um, not really, but, well, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. No, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I, I, love I have 68 works posted on AO3 right now. Phenomenal asterisk. And so I'm like, I need... I need a special one for 69. You need a 69. I need a special one. So I don't know what oh that's going to be. My writing, my spoons for writing are so minimal as it is. Um, but something needs to happen. Something's got to. So maybe, maybe I can pluck something out of here and write a little bit of Filch and Peeves or, uh, 
you know, something. You know, listener, you, I mean, you know that Fig is incredible. We, we've we've established this. But if you have a, a suggestion potentially for Fee for her next, her 69th yes. writing endeavor, <laughs> uh, do reach out to Phenomenal Asterisk on AO3 because you can get in touch there. Uh-huh. Uh, whether that's by a comment on an existing fic or, you know, sliding into the DMs, I'm sure that that would be massively appreciated. I mean, we know that I, I love your, uh, where your head's at with these works. <laughs> I, um, I I just, I think the listeners are going to be in for a treat. So, uh, and I, I'm eagerly now awaiting your 69th. Mm. Oh, it's going to be good. It just needs to be created first (laughs) (laughs) but you know all great created things start with a good idea Mm -hmm. um yeah this this is like how do you think harry potter got started in the first Mm. like and without that we wouldn't be doing this Mm. and you know you know you never know what a good idea can spark i'm so excited by but that, but that's again why I love Crackfic because it can literally take your mind oh, off sure. in directions that you never knew. Yeah. You never knew that you would be interested in or want to read about. But you know, suddenly, um, you know, does wait does does wanting Han Solo and Chewbacca to be together mean that I'm I have furry leanings? You do. Wait. Yeah, you do. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> Did we? I don't remember. I don't know Did how we? much you want me to put you on blast, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you know what? We can continue this conversation after this episode <laughs> finishes. I know all of your secrets. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, listeners, I'm gonna have to leave it there. I'm so scundered. Okay, right. Let's let look. We we established that I have no sign off anyway, oh, gosh. so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave you with the terrifying thought that I'm into many things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Um, see you around. <laughs> see you around, friend. Thank you so much, listeners, again for listening. We love you all. Tune back in for the next one. It's gonna be a blast. Okay, thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs>